Hey, good Friday night to you. Welcome into what I expect to be the most viewed edition of the 573 report that we have done because like Mitchell Forty and myself, you guys are all sitting at home on Friday night wondering who Missouri's next basketball coach is going to be. So um, appreciate you joining us. And, and we usually do this show on Wednesdays. Um, we delayed it this week specifically because we thought this could happen, but we still are brought to you by 573 Tees in downtown Columbia, a uh, local business. Um, hey, they're, they're going to have another subject for a new t-shirt. I promise they're going to have a, uh, a t-shirt out of whoever Missouri's next coach is here in about three weeks, uh, two weeks, something like that. So uh, go to 573tees.com. You can uh, check out, if you are in Columbia, you can check out their location uh, in Alley A between 9th and 10th Street. Before we bring Mitch in, I also do want to mention that uh, all of our coaching search coverage, and this is going to be on Power Mizzou here later tonight after we do this show, but all of our coaching search coverage is brought to you by Asset Management Wealth Trust in Destin, Florida. That's John G. McHugh. Uh, he will work with you. He's an experienced portfolio manager. And they want to partner with advisors to meet their clients' investment needs. Uh, Wealth Trust recognizes that competition is the benchmark assigned to each of our strategies. The average portfolio manager outperforms its benchmark only 20% of their time, but John G. McHugh has outperformed his assigned benchmark approximately 80% of the time over the last 19 years. So stop by WealthTrustAM.com for their performance history, and they will be uh, covering all of our or sponsoring all of our coaching search coverage which it's going to be really fun for about six days and then it's going to be like oh my god why is it taking so long they have to get this over yeah yeah i think there, there'll be a lot of excitement here at first and uh, everyone will be, you know, interested to see who they hire and thinking, you know, oh, it's going to be stars in the eyes. It's going to be Sean Miller. It's going to be Greg Marshall. It's going to be whatever big name. And then five days in, everyone's going to be like, I don't think Mizzou's actually hiring a coach. They're folding the program. Mass panic will ensue. Probably we'll have like leaks and backstabbing if we're lucky. But it seems, I mean, it's really not even if we're lucky. That happens a lot of the time. Uh, it should be good. It'll be entertaining, if nothing else. You you described literally every coaching search. And it's not just Missouri. It's everywhere. Yeah. The, I will get a flood of text messages over the next two days. Hey, they're swinging big. They're going to make big names say no. I, I mean, literally every school. Like, have you ever seen an athletic director say, well, we want to hire somebody that, you know, maybe doesn't have a ton of experience, got some flaws, um, but but we think can do well here. Uh, so it starts out, we're going to take the big swing. And look, I put some of those names on my list because you should do that. There are guys you should make say no. Uh, because it, what's it take? It takes a search firm 12 seconds to call an agent and say, hey, would your guy have any interest? No? Okay, thanks. That's long enough. If, if that's what happens with Sean Miller and Buzz Williams and guys like that, so be it. You wasted 12 seconds of, of Eddie Fogler's time, and, and that's how it goes. But then some names will start to emerge, and you'll get the, oh, my God, we can't hire this guy. Just bring back Conzo. This is trash. I'm devastated. We're never going to be good at anything. And then they'll hire somebody and we'll have no idea if it's a good, bad, or indifferent hire. But we will all make judgments on day one. So um, I, don't, I guess we've covered it all. I, I don't know. That's how it's going to go. Yeah, I think you basically, and you forgot the point where you said we'll we'll have no idea. I mean, fans will know he is the second coming of the Messiah. Obviously, at first it will be, it will be the you know after all the panic and everything, it will ultimately be the perfect hire, and he will be the coach to lead Mizzou back to glory at least until he loses his first game. And um, so okay, we we're getting questions, and we will go through them. We may address some of them. Um, certainly. Um, in I guess what we will call the opening monologue I don't know if two people can do a monologue but we're going to do it um, but we will get to your questions after that uh, this show normally goes 30 minutes I have a feeling it's going to go a little bit longer no offense to you guys I got no desire to sit here with you for two hours on a Friday night I mean I wasn't I wasn't doing anything anyway but Mitch had texted me at like 502 and said hey I've got a chance to go to the, the Big 12 tournament tonight. I said I probably couldn't, but like now that we're after 5 o'clock, do you think I'm good to go? I said, yeah, you're fine. Go ahead. And did you make it like to the, the parking lot, to the car? How far did you get? 
I actually made it to a to a restaurant down around the arena. Um, I live I live pretty close. Uh, and uh, then yeah, I left very quickly thereafter. <laughs> yep, been there. So uh, and and look, we're not complaining. Like coaching searches are uh, coaching searches are good for us. And I want to be clear by saying that we never root for them. Like I look, I know a bunch of people are celebrating tonight. And if you want Missouri basketball to be good, and you were convinced that couldn't happen with Conzo Martin, I get it. But there's a lot of people that don't make three million dollars a year that are now losing their jobs. Um, you know, and and I always I don't expect people to to feel awful about it or anything like that. But I just always think it's important to point out that this is not what we root for. It's it, coaching is legitimately the only profession that I know that we celebrate when people lose their jobs. Maybe politics, you know, <laughs> right? Like when when one guy gets defeated, every the other side celebrates. But that's really it. Um, so. Look, I wrote a long thing. It's on Power Mizzou. It's on our message board. If you're watching here, most of you have, have probably seen it up there um, on why I think it didn't work. And we can get into that a little bit. But Mitch, I mean, you, you've you been with us. You were either in school or just out of school when they hired Conzo. And then you've covered, I, I think, his last four seasons with us. So what's your kind of, you know, 60-second take on why this thing that seemed like it should work didn't work? Yeah, I think my, my kind of first gut takeaway is like the the industry has gotten to the point that it, it's just it, there's just kind of not a room for a guy like Conzo Martin anymore. And I'm not sure that's a good thing, but it's just it's just reality. Like all the things that college athletics claims to care about, Conzo kind of embodied. I mean, he really cared about his players as more than just players. You know, he cared about teaching them life lessons. He cared about bringing in the right kind of kids and helping them graduate and all that type of stuff. And I don't know if that got in the way of him winning games. I'm not trying to say those things are necessarily mutually exclusive, but he also, he wouldn't operate in certain ways. And like, again, there are guys who I'm sure who care about the right things and win games, but it's harder. It's harder to thread that needle. And, you know, that's not enough to keep you around. And and I don't, I don't disagree with that. I just think it's part of the reality now. You know, I think that, that, People want to win too bad and the, the pressure to win is too great and the money to win is too great. Like, you know, no one's getting paid six million dollars a year to be a guidance counselor. I will fully admit that. I'm not trying to throw a pity party for Consul Martin. But as you mentioned in your in your thoughts, you know, he I I, I and I don't want to make too big of a leap here because obviously he's never told me this, but I think that he has a healthier perspective on life than most coaches that actually hurts him a little bit as a basketball coach. And he t he talks about this with us all the time. Like, you know, you can't really hurt me unless you take my health and my wife and my children away from me. Yeah. Those things are more important in the basketball because he's overcome so much and he understands that those things aren't a given. You know, he, he almost didn't make it to this point for one reason or another cancer where he grew up, all that type of stuff. So I, I don't, and I'm not trying to call him lazy or anything like that, but I do think that when that is your, 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 your mindset, your perspective, it's harder to, you know, go out there and like live and die with each recruit and, you know, stuff like with each, with each result. And I think ultimately that, that can manifest itself in, you know, digging in your heels and saying, you know what, no, I, I'm not taking that kid. Maybe he could help us, but I, I'm not dealing with that. I want the kid that fits my system best. And, and that can, that can add up. And this team just didn't have enough talent and there wasn't enough talent to feel good about next season. And I, I think the move was, was necessary. So I, I don't like you, I don't want to throw all coaches like in this same box. Right. Mm -hmm. But I think by and large, look, Mike Krzyzewski just coached his last home game by and large, wildly successful coaches, especially in college. They're, freaking messed up man like their personalities are just something i can't identify with mike shashevsky has done that for 42 years and i promise the first thing mike shashevsky thought about every single damn morning was okay first of all where's the bathroom second of all what can i do to make duke basketball one point better today than we were yesterday Every single day. And I don't want to say that Conzo didn't do that. That's not my point. But these guys that reach a certain level, I think, and like I know Kay put on the show with his family and they all talk about it. But like when Bill Snyder retired at Kansas State, said he wanted to go spend more time with his family and everything. And then all of a sudden, K-State football sucked and Bill Snyder's family just like, eh, I'm going to go back and fix this other thing. You know, we're, we're good, guys. You saw me. I'm going to go fix this thing that I built. 
And it's just like what makes Conzo, and I know people are tired of hearing it, and we don't, we're not going to spend the whole show on this, but what makes him a good human being, I do think limits him as a basketball coach. Um, it is, you know, is some of what Mitch talked about, and it's not the competitive, he is competitive. He wants to win every game. If you look at him during a game, he wants to win every damn game. Come on. But there are just, I think, limits, and I think there are things he won't do, and and like you said, I mean, he should be dead at this point, whether it's because he grew up in East St. Louis or because he had cancer. Conzo shouldn't be 51 years old, but or 50, whatever he is, but he's here. Um, you know, I think the other thing is, and I've written about this some this year, and he's even, he's kind of said it, but not in so many words. I'm taking a little bit of a leap, but I think Conzo firmly believes that if you just work hard enough, you can be a good Division One basketball player. And like, Mitch, what are you, 6'5"? I am. Okay. Do you think if you worked on your game every single day for 12 years growing up, do you think like you could have played at Duke and been a starting good All-American player at Duke? You know, what's funny is like all the days when I was swimming in college and hated it. I mean, I didn't really hate it, but you know, when you're in the middle of it and you grinding, you kind of hate it. Me and my friends would be like, dude, if we just, if we just played as much basketball as we did swimming, we could be great. We could easily do it. Uh, then I play basketball against good basketball players. And I think I know the answer to that question. Unfortunately is no. <laughs> right. So my point is like, you can't just recruit guys that really work hard. Like, there is a such a thing as natural talent. I'm not saying that Conzo didn't try to recruit natural talent. I think he did, but I think because of his path as a player, he thought, "Well, I did this. Why can't they do it?" You know, and some of them could, but I think there's a limit to it. And and I know most people are not here to talk about Conzo Martin at this point. I I think Mitch and I are both. Look, I've I've said for 19 years, it's not my job to advocate firing coaches. Missouri made the move today. I would have made. Um, I I think, and the reason is very simple. It it was going to get better than this year, but it wasn't going to get better enough. He'd been a Division One coach for 14 years. He'd been more than an eight seed once. He'd won an NCAA tournament game in one season. That's not high enough to satisfy this fan base. That ceiling's just not high enough. Um, and the next guy might be worse. Like, I think that's important to point out. Missouri's a sub-500 basketball program for eight years. There is no guarantee the guy that replaces Conzo Martin will do better than he does. Five years down the road, he might not have two NCAA tournament appearances. But you've got to have hope. And under Conzo Martin, the hope was just kind of like being a fan of a major league baseball team and going, hey, it'd be cool if we could win 87 and get in the wild card game, right? And, and nobody starts the season with that being enough. And when you have to sell tickets and you have to generate donations, I think this is the move that Missouri had to make. Yeah, I think it's important to establish, like, it's easy as fans when you get tired of someone and as this season went on and on and was really bad, it, it, could, it could be easy to fall into the mindset of, oh, this guy's terrible at everything. Anyone would be better. It's it's an, it's a no-brainer. You know, we heard that a lot as the season went along. And towards the end, yeah, I kind of realized, okay, things need to change. But for a while there, it's like, you know, this is kind of a risky proposition. There's no guarantee that the guy you're, you're hiring is going to be better. Now, that shouldn't be a reason not to make the move. And ultimately, I, I agree with everything you just said. You have to be able to sell hope, especially in college sports. And so, you, you know, you got to get someone whose ceiling is higher. But, yeah, it, there's no guarantee that, like, you know, they can just go out there and name their coach and he's going to be better than Conzo Martin. So, yeah, it's obviously we, you say this with every hire, but they, they got to get this right, especially after what Mizzou basketball fans have been through over the past however many years. We talk, we've talked, you know, on the message boards, like, how good is this job? And it kind of, you know, it's teetering, I think, on like, uh, maybe it could get back to where it was, but it's been a while. If you go another four, five, six years without it getting back there, then you're really starting to be like, okay, not that many people were even alive when this team was perennial. And, and I wrote about that in our mailbag. Um, you know, I compared Missouri basketball to Tennessee football fans. And we've got I think we've got a good dynamic to talk about that a little bit because you have not been alive when Missouri was consistently good at basketball. You were born in 96, is that right? 95. 95. Okay, so you were born two months before... Tyus Edney broke Missouri fans' hearts. You were two months old. 
That is correct. And the truth is, since then, I remember when they hired uh, Kim Anderson. I was talking to Gary Link, and he said, you know, we've had moments, like we've had blips, but we haven't sustained it. Since 1995, Missouri has not sustained basketball success. Quinn Snyder made four straight NCAA tournaments, and that counts. You know, that's semi-sustained. It then cratered. Mike Anderson, I think, made three straight, maybe. Um, And and then you add Frank Hayes. He might have made four. I don't know. He made three or four, and then Frank Hayes made one. Um, And so that was as close as they've gotten to sustained success. But the point is... You've got to be pretty close to my age to remember. And, and so there's a lot of talk about what this job in this program should be. And it comes almost exclusively from people my age and older. Because I came to Missouri, number two reason I went to school at Missouri was to watch Norm Stewart's teams play. Like, that's what I grew up. I grew up on Chivas and Peeler and Doug Smith, and that's what I wanted to see. And you grew up on, I, I don't know, I mean, I guess you were... 13 when Damari Carroll was here you probably didn't pay a ton of attention to him living in Louisville I mean I guess you were in school for for were you in school for the 2012 team for Hayes first team no. or were you a senior no yeah no I was in high school yeah okay. I mean I yeah, grew up so. not really paying attention to Missy basketball to your point which, which uh, a lot yeah, of people I mean, like don't they, were, they had a couple yeah, they had a couple good seasons when I, you know, they, that year they went to the Elite Eight when they were a three seed, and then the, obviously the year they won 30 games the regular season, Hayes' first year. Well, like I sort of paid attention to them because I liked sports, but yeah, like in in my mind, growing up, they were never <laughs> very good as a basketball program. Right, and so I don't say you have to do this to sell tickets because. <clears throat> Ticket revenue is not as big a deal for basketball as people think. I, I, I've i got to credit Dave Matter with this. I was talking to him, and he said in Conzo's first year when they sold out, they made $5 million. So they're always going to make two and a half. I mean, losing $2.5 million isn't that big a deal. But it's more just that kind of feeling of do people care? It's I mean, you are going to see national lists for coaches. A lot of them are already out, and I promise Missouri fans are going to go, what the hell? That can't be our list. That's a national person's view of Missouri basketball. This is who you can get. Be happy with it. That's what national people now think. I mean, your dad, I think, is a little bit different because he went here. He knows what this was one time. But Matt Norlander, Gary Parrish, the guys doing the athletic list, these guys, Missouri is not a factor to them. They don't think about Missouri basketball. And every year that gets added on to not thinking about that is another year and another generation of fans that you are risking losing forever. So that's where we're at. Um, let's do it this way. Let's let's go back and forth with, hey, who's your number one guy? We'll finish out a top five, and then we'll just hit questions because I think a lot of the questions are going to be, what about this guy? What about that guy? Blah, blah, blah. Um, so I – uh, I've written about who my number one guy is, and I'll talk about why in a minute. Mitch, I think it's yours too, but your first call is who? Yeah, Sean Miller. Um, and and I don't think it, I don't know that it's realistic at all. I understand, you know, people have objections, but one, uh, you know, Bruce Pearl and Will Wade and Bill Self are still coaching, so the NCAA has sent its message that, like, you know, it. Whatever. I, I, I understand that, like I said earlier, it's nice to say all these things about, you know, quality young men and doing it the right way. And I'm not I, there's no evidence that Sean Miller wasn't molding quality young men while he was paying them. He just was paying them to go to school. I, and I, I do think he falsified a couple of their transcripts. But yeah, well, OK, but <laughs> most of what he was doing also to my next point is, is legal now through NIL. Um, I don't have a moral qualm with it. I just don't think it's very realistic. But he's I mean, he's one big He's, what, 53, I think, something like that. He's pretty young. Uh, yeah, he would be my top choice. Yeah. Um, I, look, and, and I wrote an entire column based on this. In full disclosure, I wrote it two and a half weeks ago. But um, I I don't think it will happen. I don't think Missouri will make the call. Um, but you just mentioned the three names. Will Wade, Bill Self, Sean Miller. Or, uh, I'm sorry, uh, Bruce Pearl. Missouri played them four, in four games this year. They lost those games by an average of 16 and a half points. Will Wade won an SEC title. He's about to go to his third straight tournament. Bruce Pearl briefly had the number one team in the country. Bill Self is, we know what he's done. That's how you do it. That, that, that's how you do it. Uh, um, 
you hire a guy who can get players and you never one time ask him how he's getting players and if the ncaa comes calling you say find what you can find we will not cooperate with you piss off here's the double birds find what you can find if you feel like you got to go walk up in the rafters and take down a banner cool because i saw marcus Camby play in the final four and i saw you know a I saw DeAndre Ayton at Arizona. I don't care if you say it never happened. I know it happened. Um, so I agree. That's that's number one. And neither one of us thinks it's realistic. I mean, I you know, I, I don't think Missouri's calling Sean Miller. And if they do, I don't think they'll hire him. But um, but we both think they should. So, so let's finish out a top five. We'll just kind of go back and forth. And if we have some of the same ones, we have some of the same ones. But I want these to be realistic. I mean, like... I put Buzz Williams on the hot board. It's not really. He would be in my top five. Missouri's not hiring him. It's not going to happen. So so we're talking realistic hires um, to finish out a top five. I, I don't know for sure how I feel about this one, but I at least take a look at Chris Mack. I, I, I know it was a train wreck at Louisville. I know there's some weird stuff going on. So I don't know if I'd ultimately hire him, but I would not go through this search without doing a lot of homework on him. Right. Yeah, I would I would need to be convinced. But I, you know, if I was in charge of the search, I would be open to the idea that he could convince me. Here's the thing on Mac. On one hand, I think it's very possible that anyone would have kind of crashed and burned in this situation in Louisville. They that place, you know, you're coming off of the you had Tom Jurich, the athletic director, longtime athletic director, got fired, and Rick Pitino got fired. So you're coming into a position where that program's been immensely successful, and its rival is the most successful program in the sport that it always compares itself to. And you've got sanctions hovering over you, and you know just a lot of administrative issues. They currently don't have a president or an AD. Um, so I, I think that was a really hard spot to step into. That being said, the situation, the circumstances under which Chris Mack left were not good. Uh, his team basically quit on him. And like during press conferences, he had players like barely avoiding like you know, <laughs> saying bad things about him. Like one one player was asked of like, you know, do you support your coach? And he was like, no comment. So like, that's not good. That's clearly locker room issues too. And, and this is more of a red flag to me. His contract called for him to receive $12 million buyout and he settled for 4.8. Like if it's me, I'm not giving up $7.2 million and think, unless I think there's a very real chance I could get zero because I could get in big trouble. So that, that worries me. Okay, so who's your who? Who's next on your? Well, you, I need a ruling on whether or not it's realistic. Because, like, you know, you mentioned Buzz Williams, probably not. Steve Forbes, probably not. Dana Altman, probably not. Is Mike White at all realistic? I would say it's possible. I would think he would. Ha- I mean, I guess he could do a get out before the posse before they fire yeah. me and get a fresh start. It, possible i don't i don't i wouldn't say super realistic but i would say more possible right. than a couple yeah, of i mean up. like i don't think it's super realistic either he's got a better you know on paper he's got a better job right now at florida but the only reason i mention it is you know he, he also followed a really good coach at florida and i think the fans have been a little restless there they haven't made the tournament uh, i guess or no they made it last year they were like a 10 seat but they didn't make the tournament this year um they they've been you know a higher seed the past few times they've made it but he's recruited really well. He's gotten some players down there. And, you know, it's not been amazing. But every time he's made the tournament, he's won a game. He's won game NCAA tournament games in four of the – or he's been to the NCAA tournament in four of the six seasons that a tournament has happened. And he's won t- tournament games in all those years. And he had an Elite Eight run. Maybe, you know, it's possible, like – you know, he senses, like you said, that you know his seat's going to be warm next year. He doesn't love the team. Yes, coming back, he wants to, he goes ahead and makes a move. I don't know. I don't think it's likely, but I feel like you should at least inquire, at least give him a call, give him a call. That's fair. Before we've each got three more. Before we get there, another guy, different situation, but similar profile. I think. Is there any reason to think Porter Moser would listen to Missouri? Yeah, so I I've listed I, he he would have been next if you if you overruled Mike White for me. Uh, I the thing about him and like you know this is where in a coaching search of course we play like psychiatrist like we're like oh this is what this guy is gonna think. He was at one place for a really long time and didn't leave and then he just uprooted a year ago. Like I I have a hard time seeing him then leave again for what's probably a fairly lateral move. 
Um, and like if Oklahoma needs to pay him more, I'm sure they could. Um, so, you know, and it's not like he lit the world on fire this year. I mean, he was fine. He did a good job in the transfer portal and like they might make the tournament. I think they play later tonight, but it's not like he, you know, it's not like he, he's someone where I want to get in this bidding war and pay $5 million. That's fair. So then the next on my list, and I, this is the least popular name I've put out there. Anthony Grant. Mm-hmm. I would look at it. He won an SEC title at Alabama. I know he only went to one tournament, but he was Billy Donovan's lead assistant. He has ties in this league. A lot of people say, well, he's been here and failed. Well, guess what? Some dudes learn. He went 29-2 and two and had the number three team in the country at Dayton. He, he was going to be a one seed at Dayton. Now, I don't know if they can get him. He makes 1.8, but I've been told Dayton is one of those programs in the mid-majors that has money. He's an alum. He might look at that as a better job. He might say no. I don't know that he'd be the first call, but I think he'd be in my first five. Yeah. Yeah, he's an interesting case. It's a fine line, right, between, you know, giving him a second chance and, you know, being labeled a retread or whatever. But like like you said, it's not like, it's not like you know, when we talk about retreads, a lot of times it's these NFL coaches that, like, you know, get fired and then go be a coordinator for one year and then get hired again. Like, he went and did a really good job at Dayton. And, yeah, Dayton's a good program for sure. It's got advantages in the Atlantic 10. But they shouldn't be a one seed. That that obviously takes some some talent and some coaching. So, yeah, I mean, I'm not opposed to the idea. Um, you know, I, I don't, I don't know that he'd be quite as high on my list, but I, you wouldn't catch me like, you know, up in arms about it for sure. Yeah. All right. So you're, you're, you're next one. Okay. Um, I, I'm going to go, I'll go with my first of the, the mid major guys. Uh, there's obviously a lot, there's always going to be a lot of guys who people will look at and say, you know, could this guy move up from a mid major? That'd be Grant McCasland at North Texas. They actually just lost today. So it's a little bit of awkward timing. Uh, they probably won't be in the NCAA tournament this year, but he made it last year, sustained success across the past two seasons, won a game in the NCAA tournament last year, done a pretty good job at a North Texas program that had never won anything to my knowledge in the past. And he was an assistant for a long time at Baylor with Scott Drew. He knows, you know, he's going to understand how to recruit, how to manage a program at this level. Um, checks that box. I think, I think he's probably my, my top choice out of all the guys currently in a mid-major school. I agree with that. McCasland is my favorite mid-major coach. I'll finish out my top five with just the the other two mid-major. And I'm not even sure it's fair to call one of them a mid-major, but the other two not Power Six conference coaches would be Mark Pope at BYU. I've come around to him more. I didn't like it at first. He played at Kentucky. He was an assistant at Georgia. He's done a good job at BYU. I think Missouri's a better program than BYU. Um, you're in the SEC where he's been. I, I kind of like the idea of Pope. Um, the one that at first I said, I don't get it. And I don't I don't know if this guy's in my top five. But Todd Golden was a Bruce Pearl assistant for his first two years at Auburn. Now, they were bad those two years. He hasn't been there since they've gotten really, really good. But he's been, at, my qualifications are, I need you to have been around guys who have done this who have shown the ability to build this thing. He did. He He's at San Francisco. He's done. I mean, they're they're like a top 25-ish team this year at Ken Palm. Uh, they're, they may make the tournament as an at-large team. Um, but largely his record at San Francisco is about what the previous guy's record was over three years. So I'm not sure I want him in my top five, but I go ahead and, and kind of fill out my top five of guys I think Missouri could hire with him. Yeah. Um, I, I don't even know what number I'm at because, like you've, I said, I could have thrown. So yeah, you've got three guys to go. There, what's that? You've got three guys to go. Oh, three? That's, two or, that's two or three. Yeah. <laughs> then I'm starting to – if I have to do three, I'm starting to n- mention people I actually kind of don't like as hires. But um, if, I'm, if I'm trending – if I'm continuing down the list – um, I guess neither of us has mentioned T.J. Otzelberger. That, it's, to me, still goes back to, like, unlikely. I don't think that's happening. I don't see him leaving for after one year. But I figured I'd throw that out there. After Grant McCasland and the mid-major names, uh, I've got a few that are just kind of all kind of grouped together to me. I, I, I still have – I still don't know if I favor any of them necessarily. 
you know, Nico Medved at Colorado State. He's, you know, he he did a pretty good job building up Furman. Obviously, that you know, no one really wanted Furman before he was there, and he's done a good job at Colorado State. It doesn't excite me. I don't think it's certainly not someone who's going to put a ton of people in the seats, uh, you know, right away or anything like that. But he's done it at a couple places. I, you know, I, I wouldn't hate it if he can show if he can convince someone that he can recruit. The other two guys are someone are people you're not going to like because they they have not never sat on a high major bench, and I I get the hesitation of that for sure. They would have to totally convince me that they have you know a plan to make make you know get players on campus at the high major level, and even then it's still risky because like you know everything sounds good in theory. That would be Matt McMahon and Jeff Linder. They're kind of similar to me. Um, you know McMahon. He's done a great job at Murray State. Uh, he's made the NCAA tournament, I think, oh, something like four times uh, there. And, you know, got John Morant on campus. He had them good enough to be an at-large team twice that year John Morant was there and this year if they had not won the conference tournament. But the the con there is everyone kind of wins at Murray State. It's a much better program than everyone except Belmont in the OVC. And, like, John Morant, that, that was a once-in-a-lifetime find, like, you're never going to get another job around. So I'm not sure. I will say I watched uh, the OVC title game and I, I was actually really impressed with Matt McMahon just as a coach in that game, but I'm not going to overreact to that, that small sample size. Uh, the other one, Jeff Linder, like he's won at two places where it's really hard to win. Uh, he, he won at Northern Colorado and then Wyoming and like at pretty good levels, he's going to take Wyoming to the NCAA tournament. But I, I, I'm I'm worried, you know, young and has never spent again, any time at a high major, um, you know, it, it would it would be intriguing. And I think he's you know, he's young and seems personable. I think he would excite people, um, you know, kind of in the Eli Drinkwitz type sense. But I would be worried about his ability to get players. All right. So we're going to get to questions in a minute. But there's one guy we got to treat in his own category here. Yep. We've got to talk Kim English. Yep. I think he'll be his name's going to be on the list. Now, is it on the short list? I don't I think it'll be on a list. And and let's put out the disclaimer. If he didn't play here, would it be on the list? Probably not. Um, but I, I'm going to make the case for Kim English to you. And I want to be clear. I've known Kim for, let's see, what year is this? 2022. I've known him for 15 years. I would not Kim English would not be my first hire he I just said he he wouldn't be in my top five probably but I'm going to so this is not me saying hire Kim English this is me making the case that can be made for Kim English and I want you to react to it there's two parts to it first of all if you think Kim English is going to be a good high major basketball coach it's the only chance you're ever going to have to hire this is it and it's why for Kim to get this job, it would have been much better for Conzo to hang on a year or two. Because if 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 Conzo's back next year and Kim takes George Mason to 20 and 11 in the tournament, it's an easier sell then, right? He's done this. He hadn't done it yet. He's 14 and 16. So it's a hard sell. I get it. But by the time the next guy's gone, Kim English is either going to not be good enough to be offered this job or he's going to have been good enough that he is going to have a better job. This is the one chance you will have to hire him. If you think he's a guy that is this up-and-coming star, he's going to, it may take a couple years, but he's going to be a good coach and he's going to stay here for 25 years, this is your only shot. Uh, and so Now, I don't think that's a good enough argument. Here's my real argument for it. He's the only guy we're talking about. And that includes Sean Miller, Dana Altman. It's all of them. He's the only guy that 10 seconds after he gets the job can pick up the phone and call Missouri's three highest donors and say, I know you, here's what we need for NIL, and here's who I'm going to get with it. Now, can Sean Miller find out who those donors are? Can Chris Mack, can anybody else we're talking about in form relationships? Sure. But none of them know him. Kim knows all those guys because he was here. Um, he can pick up the phone day one and say, you know, and I'm not going to throw donors' names out there, but just say, hey, this is what we need to be good, and here's the guy that it's going to go to. We need to set something up. That is how recruiting works today. Kim English can do that here. Now, will it be successful? Ultimately, I don't know. But if I'm Kim English's agent, that's what I'm selling. If he wants this job, he should be calling his agent tonight 
saying, I want you to get somebody from this. I want you to get Eddie Fogler. I want you to get somebody from Missouri on the phone and you tell him exactly what I just said. Yeah, I, I, I think Kim English probably has the highest ceiling of anyone we've talked about. I mean, maybe aside from like Sean Miller, because Sean Miller's proven he can, you know, have a team in perennial national title contention. But Kim English is a guy who, yeah, he he could absolutely turn this in. I mean, I think he could at his best be a recruiting machine. I think he could absolutely get talent here. And because of the ties here, he could be a guy who he's what, 33 right now. He could be here forever. I mean, he could be like, you know, in a perfect, we're talking ceiling. He could be like Mizzou's Mike Krzyzewski. Obviously I'm not saying he would be that successful, but you get what I'm saying. But my, my thing is this, I'll, I'll play the devil's advocate since you, uh, since you made his case, I, I don't think he's ready and I wouldn't consider him if he hadn't gone to Mizzou. And ultimately that's, that's how I always try to look at an alum hire. I, I don't think, I mean, you know, you look at his head coaching jobs. I mean, he's been, he was at George Mason for one season. They want, they had winning, winning teams the last three years. They went 14 and 16 this year. Now I understand that, you know, when you bring in a new coach, you've got to remake a roster, all that. I'm not saying he can't be a good coach that that doesn't show me anything yet. And then when you're talking about a guy who's 33 years old, like, yeah, you, you know, you have the pro of like you could get in on him early when he's young. I, I just I wonder about, you know, how much he's going to have to learn on the job, how much he's going to have to learn about all the stuff that goes with being a head coach. And like, yeah, you mentioned dealing with the donors like that's easy to do when things are going good. But when things are going bad, that's a really hard thing to do and get everyone pulling in the same direction. Like that's a buzzy thing coaches say, but that's a hard thing to do. And I don't know if, you know, young guys often don't understand that. And I don't know that Mizzou is in a place where they want to sit or sit around and wait, let a guy figure it out for, you know, four years or something like that. All fair. Um, fans out there who are saying, I want the Eli Drinkwitz of basketball, Kim English is that higher. He is. And I'm not saying he would recruit as well, but he's the, look, we don't know what we have here, but we think the ceiling could be great. And, and again, I'm not advocating that should be Missouri's hire. I would make other calls first. But if I get down on my list to where I'm looking at Nico Medved and Darian DeVries and Dennis Gates, hire Kim English over those guys. Um, yeah, no, and, I'm okay with that. And the advantage Kim has, he's he's been on a bench with Frank Haith, and I know people think whatever you want of Frank Haith, but he is a somewhat successful Division One coach. He's been on a bench with Tad Boyle, who's a pretty good coach. He's been on a bench with Rick Barnes, who's one of the best coaches in America. So he's been around success. Um, again, I, I he's not in my top five, but if your top five, whoever they are, say, nah, I don't think we can make it work, then if you're getting down to the point of, hey, let's hire this mid-major guy and hope he's good, then, then, yeah, I, I, I've got no problem with Kim English being that guy. So, um, hey, we're going to get to your guys' questions. want to ask you two favors. First of all, I want you to support our sponsors. That is 573Tees, 573Tees.com. You can check out all of their merchandise. Uh, I don't know if uh, they've yet designed anything for tonight, but, um, you know, they probably don't celebrate somebody losing his job, but they may have one in a couple of weeks. So check them out at 573Tees.com. Also, Wealth Trust Asset Management in Destin, Florida, an experienced emerging portfolio manager designed to partner with advisors and meet their clients' investment needs. Uh, you can find them at wealthtrustam.com. They're going to be our sponsor uh, throughout this coaching search, however long that lasts. Also, as we get to your questions, I want to ask you guys to do a couple things. Hit the like button on this show. Hit the subscribe button to uh, to the channel. This is uh, this is more people than we have on for most of these shows. Um, but uh, so anything you guys can do to kind of spread the word. Uh, and hey, we might do some of these pop-up shows throughout the coaching search. Who knows? We'll, we'll see uh, how tired we are and how it goes. But um, all right, we're going to do just rapid fire. And if, if I get to a question where it's been asked before, I'm just going to skip over it. So I'm not going to hit every question, but I'm going to go in order. Uh, Stuart wants to know, McCaslin, Matt McMahon, Tang, Dana Ford, Jonas Hayes, scratch Jonas Hayes. He's mentioned to Georgia because he went to Georgia. Dana Ford, I'm not big. Uh, what would would you take an older coach or an upper up and comer? And my answer to that question, Mitch, is always I don't care. I just take the best coach. I, I don't care if he's coached before or not. Like I take the guy that I think is going to do the best job. If that's Anthony Grant, okay, cool. If it's Jerome Tang from Baylor, also cool. Don't care. Yeah, so I actually did want to briefly touch on Tang because he's a guy that a lot of people have mentioned. Um, 
you know, I don't know a ton about him. I actually didn't know anything about him until today. He's been at Baylor forever. He's Scott Drew's number one assistant. He's uh, been there for 18 years. I don't hate the idea. You know, I, I typically like someone with head coaching experience, but, you know, someone who's been around that program for that long should have a decent idea of what to do. It obviously worked out really well with Arizona and Tommy Lloyd this past year. Um, and I have my Jerome Tang fun fact, which is the only reason I really wanted to talk about him. At one point in time, he was a high school coach and he had a high school player, not not his team, but one player score 101 points in a game, which I think is awesome. If he can recruit that guy, do it, because I assume he at least made a few threes. Um, look, I, I want to throw out my one uh, worry about Jerome Tang, and I think it's less of a worry now that most of what they do is, and look, I just advocated hiring a guy who cheated. So, you know, I'm not super worried about it. But the the reason Quinn Snyder ultimately didn't work here was he thought that you could do the same things at Missouri that you could do at Duke, and it didn't work. So I, I, I would have a little concern that he would think private school just won a national title, this machine that Scott Drew has going, we're just going to take that and do the same things in Columbia, Missouri, and and not even just the legal part, just I'm not sure it would translate, but I'm, I'm not hugely objectionable to it. It, it. It's an interesting name. Speaking of Baylor, Colby says, give Scott Drew whatever it takes to bring him to Columbia. Like, what would they have to pay Scott Drew to get him to leave the place he just won a national title at where they will build a freaking statue of him? Like, does he well, do it yeah. for $9 million a year? Right. Like, I don't know what Baylor's paying him, but I mean, whatever Mizzou offered, Baylor could match. Like, Baylor has more money than Mizzou. So uh, it's somewhat irrelevant. I don't know. Yeah, sure. Like, $10 million. <laughs> I just looked up a quick Google search tells me Scott Drew's making $2.8 million. That doesn't Dang. seem like it can Dang. be right. Also, I'm going to guess if Scott Drew got a call and he went into Mac Rhodes' office and said, uh, So, Mac, I'm, I'm looking at this. What do you think? I don't think Mac's going to give him a glowing review of Missouri. I, I could be yeah. wrong on that. Yeah, I think you're right. I, I think we can go ahead and cross that one off the list. Um, okay. Uh, let's see. I can't imagine Miller would consider Missouri if he would. No brainer. Chris Mack's a proven winner. Too bad Greg Marshall seems... Yeah, Greg Marshall, unhirable. We agree, right? Yes. That, that wraps up that. Greg Marshall's wife, also unhirable uh why even mention a thug like miller i don't know that he's a thug he paid players and i mean like he look i'm not advocating that you get a, a program full of rapists and murderers and cover that up i'm advocating that you get a guy who does things the way other good college basketball coaches do them any any anything to add no yeah no i agree yeah i, I mean yeah that's it. <laughs> hey, I, I have myself on mute, but the point is, I don't think Conzo is like, at home going, hey, I just got $6 million and don't have to work. Like, we make that joke all the time. He rather would have been good here um, and, and yeah. still be the coach, you know. But overall, hey, I'm not I'm not going to complain about a coaching search. Uh, Jeremy Cochran, is Greg McDermott an option at all? He seems pretty settled at Creighton. I don't know. I mean, I, I, don't, I don't see that. I don't look at Greg McDermott and think that's a guy I – put in the living room against Bruce Pearl and uh, Eric Musselman and John Calipari. Right. Like, Hey, you know, if he, if he was, if he was going to leave Creighton, I would think he would have done it already for a job, maybe better than Mizzou and B, I, I, you know, Creighton is a solid program with a decent amount of money and they don't have to worry about paying for football. Like they can pay their basketball coach. So is that a guy you really want to like get in a bid, bidding award for and end up paying, you know, $4 million for it. Now, I don't think he's quite worth that. Um, I, Marcus does bring up a good point. Imagine if Porter hadn't gotten hurt. That's the one thing we didn't mention for Conzo. This is all different if he plays. I, I don't think there's any question. It's all different. And that was all yeah. outside of Conzo's control. And I wrote some about how I think the whole experience changed the direction the program was going. 
even if Mike doesn't play, if Jonte stays healthy, it might all be different, right? Right. That's what I was going to say. Which Porter? Because <laughs> both are big what ifs. Obviously, Mike is the bigger one. But yeah, there, there's no doubt that Conzo had some some bad luck to his tenure. I mean, even like to a much smaller degree, the fact that the one really good season he had out of the last few, no one could come to the games. And like it, it was hard for people to get that excited because they're you know, there was like 2000 people at all the games during a pandemic. It's not like something everyone had super fond memories about because they were all watching on TV. So, yeah, I mean, like, you know, a few things didn't fall his way for sure. That's not saying he should he should have gotten another year, as we already mentioned. But, uh, yeah, that losing both Michael and John Tate entry was undoubtedly bad luck. Yeah, no question. Um, let's see. OK, I'm rolling through comments. Somebody is asking about TJ Cleveland, which I'm just assuming is a joke. We'll, we'll leave that one. Uh, and I apologize, guys. I see some comments that, that my audio was louder than Mitch's. I, we threw this together real fast, so that's, that's on my end. Uh, I've, I've turned him up a little bit and turned myself down a little bit, so hopefully that's helping. I don't know. Um, let's see. Uh, okay, in terms of actually making a hire, I assume it will have to wait until whoever they're going after is out of the postseason uh, yeah but like you know like you just said grant mccasland isn't probably playing now in the ncaa tournament you know chris mack isn't playing anywhere i mean they can they can get some things done i think yeah yeah no the search i mean they can get the search almost all the way done because guys will talk i think before you know maybe not do i don't know about an interview before they're out of the tournament but like you know i think you can have a pretty good idea of who you're going to hire with guys still guys teams still playing um do a lot of the legwork it, if the yeah it, it may end up being um you know waiting until until someone's team is done but at a certain point sometimes then it's easy to figure out because it's like well there's only one guy kind of left on the list who they couldn't go ahead and hire now i bet it's going to be that guy right uh tim boyle wants to know is it a top 35 job right now top 50 i i said today i think it's top 40 ish i i mean you can split hairs is it inside the top 40 just outside the top 40 i don't know but i think that's about where it's at i looked a couple weeks ago i counted 29 programs that i would say are undoubtedly better and another like 26 that like somebody could make an argument for so the high point is 30 the low point is 56 i i think it's probably somewhere in the middle of that and and i think people get a little bit too caught up in well we're 12 and 21 nobody's going to want to come here guess what Teams that are good aren't hiring new coaches most of the time. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. I think there's a pretty, like you said, a wide range. It's a big tier um, where you could be. Ultimately, I don't think the, the most important thing is Mizzou's not, it doesn't have anything like horrible working against it. Like, yeah, you may not be able to get a guy to make a lateral move, but it's not so, a job that like someone's going to look at and say like, oh, no, I, I can't win there. Like they have the facilities. They're in a fine league. They have fans. They have, you know, enough monetary commitment. It's not... It's not like a, you know, the Vanderbilt of football where you just say, like, that's a hopeless cause. Right. This isn't even like when Gary Pinkle took over the football program here. I mean, you know, uh, Case wants to know, is Dana Altman possible? I mean, look, he's from Nebraska. He started his coaching career in Moberly. He's 63, I guess. I could make the argument, hey, maybe he wants to get back closer to home and he understands nobody pays attention to Pac-12 sports. But I mean, he's making $3.7 million and has a $4 million buyout. I I, I just, they just paid Conzo six. They'd have to pay four to get Altman out of it and a minimum of four to get him here. You're talking about $14 million for a basketball coach next year before you hire staff. I, I just can't see that. Yeah, and for someone who's pretty old, I mean, like, yeah, you could get a few years out of him, but it's not like someone who's going to be here for a real long time. So I, I, that one doesn't make a lot of sense to me. The really, the only reason he's been brought up by the two of us at times is because you had heard his name, but you know, we hear a lot of names in a coaching search who aren't, are just like what someone wants to be the case. Yeah. Uh, Roger Manley men- mentions Andy Enfield from USC. I honestly, I don't know much about him. I, I saw his name mentioned for a job. It might've been Georgia that I just thought, well, why would he listen to that job? I don't I, I don't have any reason to believe Andy Enfield would listen to Missouri, but I, I don't know. I don't either. I, this is all like completely secondhand. I don't really know much about him at all. But from what I hear about Andy Enfield, I think he really likes like the Hollywood Beverly Hills lifestyle. I don't know that a move to Columbia suits him. He's making 3.1 for what it's worth. I just looked it up. Uh, Chris Carowell. Uh, 
I, I get it. He's an assistant. He's been an assistant for a long time. He's from St. Louis. I mean, I don't know if you want to talk about Jerome Tang, maybe you talk about Chris Carwell, but low key, Mike Krzyzewski's assistants haven't really done super well other places. No, not at all. I can't think of really a single one that's been super successful. I, I can think of a lot that have not. But uh, I mean, Tommy yeah. Amaker's doing well now at Harvard, but he was right. not good at Michigan. Exactly. Yeah. So no, I I don't I. Yeah, I hate to, you know, lay, like, you know, put everyone under the same umbrella there or whatever. But uh, no, that that scares me a little bit. And especially when you're already talking about, like we said, it'd be better, I think, to get someone with head coaching experience uh, that he would be pretty far down my list. Jake wants to know how much impact donors have on the search. I mean, I, look, there's they're going to be talked to, but I don't I don't get the feeling that the donors are making the hire. I think, and I think most of Missouri's big money donors are the type of guys who are like, look, I don't, I don't know who would be necessarily a good, I mean, they might have opinions and stuff, but I don't think they're the ones that are going to necessarily insert themselves in the search and say, Hey, you have to hire this guy. Right. Yeah, I agree. Okay. Let's see. Uh, um, do you think a good coach could make this a tournament team? Not with this, I hope so. not with this roster. Not, I mean, if oh, we're well. talking next year, not with yeah, this okay. roster. I, I thought he was just saying, could a good, good coach make an NCAA tournament here? And I was like, well, I, I hope so. I mean, even I think like within a year, like making the NCAA tournament is just not that hard. Like, I think it wouldn't, it wouldn't have been impossible that console Martin could have made the NCAA tournament next year. Now I wouldn't have bet on it. And I'm not saying that it's, it's a must. Like, it's a disappointment if the next coach doesn't. Um, it'll take some remaking of the roster. But, yeah, I don't. I definitely don't think that's impossible. Look, I mean, Conzo took a team that had gone 27-68 and 68 to the tournament. And I know Michael Porter and Jonte aren't sitting out there. But, like, there's going to be really good players in the transfer portal. And Missouri's going to have some spots. We're going to wrap this up in a few minutes, and I, and I want to talk about that real quick. Uh, Jeffrey Weber says, Ron Hunter got IUPUI to the dance, won a tournament game at Georgia State, and has Tulane in the AAC semis. I have only one requirement. If Ron Hunter's the coach, he has to coach on the rolling chair all the time. Yeah, yeah, for sure. On the little rolling stool, and ideally fall off of it once a game. I would be bored on that. Somebody's asking what we think of Travis Fisher, and I think he means Travis Ford. Okay, yeah, I don't know who Travis Fisher is. Travis Ford has been a head coach for 17 years. You know how many NCAA tournament games he's won? One. One. He's a less successful Conzo Martin. I'm right. out. Yeah, no. I mean, there's a reason he's he's at Slew. I, I I don't I don't see Travis Ford whatsoever. I think he's just like a name people know. But he's going to campaign for this job. I promise you, he's going to oh, get yeah. some people trying to to roll that ball. I I I wouldn't. I, I mean, look, whatever. If they hire Travis Ford, I'm going to cover Travis Ford. But I I don't think it's it's the hire. Um, let's see. Um, Hunter wants to know if we've actually watched like teams of Golden Medved and McMahon play, or if our opinions are based on reputation. Look, until this week, I don't think I'd watched a full college basketball game this year. So, no. I'm, I mean, outside of Missouri. And actually, I didn't watch a lot of those, to be quite honest. I kind of fell asleep. <laughs> yeah. I, think it I watched Matt McMahon's teams play a little bit. I mean, like, I watched them play one game this year and, like, a few tournament games when John Morant was there. So that counts for something. And I even mentioned in my analysis of McMahon that I, I was impressed down the stretch of their game against Moorhead State. I thought he did a good job. There was some good end-of-game management Uh that said, I I don't like to put too much stock in that because like every coach has good games and bad games at the end of games and loses games you feel like they shouldn't and everyone's going to say oh he's a terrible coach like that's what happens when you put eighteen to twenty one year olds on the floor the weird stuff happens so uh, yeah I I've, I've watched a little bit of him but I also don't think I don't know how much you can glean from from watching a guy's team's play is my point. Um, Ryan Brown asked about Archie Miller. I don't even know where he's at. Uh, I, I think he's unemployed. Isn't he? The reason I like Sean Miller better than Archie Miller is Sean Miller went to a, a major program and won. Archie Miller right. went to a major program and got fired because he wasn't good enough. Yeah, I, I don't think Archie's employed. I saw some buzz about him with like the Rhode Island job. That would be about seemed like the right level to me. Let's see. What about an NBA assistant? I don't know. I, I can name one NBA assistant. How many can you name, Mitch? I, 
can think Kenny Payne is the only one I know of only because he gets talked about for the Louisville job every day. That's it. That's the only one I know. The only one I know is Becky Hammond, and I am confident oh, right. saying okay. that she is not getting the Missouri job. Yeah. Um, I, know, I know her, too. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Tiercell wants to know how Fogler correlates to some of the choices. I just looked up real quick before we started this. Eddie Fogler helped hire T.J. Otzelberger. I mean, he was like the consultant when they hired T.J. Otzelberger at UNLV, when they hired Nico Medved at Colorado State, and when they hired Jeff Capel at Pitt. Uh, Fogler, he coached at South Carolina, coached at Vanderbilt, coached, was an assistant at, at North Carolina under Dean Smith. Um, I don't know. I, I mean, I don't know, like, I have to do more research because I do think there is something to, okay, these search firms tend to like rep their guys and push their guys. So that leads me to believe maybe Medved and Otzelberger are guys that could be like, yo, take a look. You know, obviously uh, Desiree knows TJ Otzelberger, but um, other than that, I don't know what like searches he's been involved with. Yeah, I, yeah, I don't, I don't know that that's going to end up having a huge impact. Like you said, yeah, some there could be some familiarity with some names, but ultimately, I, I don't think that plays a huge part. Um, Shaka or Kevin Willard, I, I, I mean, you'd be hiring Shaka for what he did in two thousand eight at VCU, that, or whatever year that was. That's been a minute. He wasn't really very good at Texas, and I Marquette's one of those jobs, kind of like Dayton. We were talking about. Is it better? It might be a better job. Yeah. And well, Marquette's definitely better than Dayton. So it's got to be a lot closer to Mizzou. Well, in, in Kevin Willard, like I've seen his name brought up a few places. He just doesn't fit in Columbia, Missouri to me. He's he's right. not a Midwest guy. And I, I, I just, I don't see it. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, I, I just think him as the Zenalco, coach. It's hard to see him anywhere else. And yeah, I mean, like, it's not, I don't know. It, it's again, it's one of those situations. It's kind of like Greg McDermott, where it's like when you're trying to bring a guy over from a, a school at that level, it's like, why, why does it, has he done enough to make it worth the, what it's going to cost? Cause it's going to cost more to hire someone from like a big East school or a high major school than it is obviously like a mid major or an assistant is so it's, he's got to be worth it. He's, you got to feel pretty confident. And to me, like Kevin Willard seems pretty similar to Conzo Martin. Like I know he had one year where Seton Hall was like a three or a four seed or something like that in the tournament. But for the most part, it's like, yeah, sometimes they're, they're usually on the bubble. Sometimes they're like an eight, nine, they never really have made a deep run. Eh. Yeah. Um, all right, a couple more here, and then we're going to wrap up. Mike Boynton from Oklahoma State. I, I mean, he, he had one year. He went 21-9 with the best player in the country, but I, I don't know what Mike Boynton's done to make you go think that's the guy uh, to hire away necessarily. Yeah, and I think he gets – I feel like he gets paid well. I, I it could be making this up, but I feel like he got a contract extension and he makes a lot of money. So I could be wrong, though. All right, so I want to finish – I want this to be our last question. Yeah. Who would be the Deion Sanders of college basketball? So so this is great. Uh, we, here's what we're doing. These are the rules of this discussion. It just has to be an NBA player, a former like good basketball player, and he can never have been a head coach before. Like so, I got my answer. Okay, right. I'm, I'm going to let you go because I don't know. Ready? Dennis Rodman. <laughs> That's, That's the Deion Sanders. Of, I mean, it, there's, I mean, he's way more insane than Deion. Like Deion, Deion was like flashy and loves publicity. Like he was, but like, I don't think he's like clinically insane. Like Dennis Rodman, who like gets drunk and goes on TV and goes to North Korea and all that stuff. But I mean, it get, it get people interested. Okay. I, I've got mine. Shaq. Oh, that'd be awesome. I mean, huge name, great all time top 50 player. Great personality. Did you see the video the other day of him trying to convince Kenny Smith that filling up four times for $20 was cheaper uh, than filling up for $80 once? No, I did not. Oh, I'm going to find it, and I'm going to send it okay. to you, and you have to watch it after. The, it, he legitimately spent like five minutes trying to convince Kenny Smith. No, if you just go, instead of spending $80 to fill up, if you let it get halfway down and spend 20 and then let it get halfway down and again and spend 20 and Kenny's like, but I'm still going to spend $80. And he's like, but no, because it's halfway. You only have to fill up for twenty. And he's like, but then that's only forty, because twenty <laughs> is not half of eighty. It, it was amazing. I'll, I'll send it to you. Shake, but, that is a good. That's probably more analogous. I just thought of like the wildest former player I could. Uh, that's much more analogous. I mean, like I did. 
have to imagine he would have zero interest in coaching. Like Shaq makes bank. He does, he's involved in all sorts of stuff. He lives a great life. It seems like. But why is Dion coaching? What? But why is Dion coaching? I, I don't really know. I mean, like, that, yeah, I don't really know that. But I feel like Shaq is is more high profile than Dion was before Dion got into coaching. I mean, look, we have solved this. Shaquille O'Neal, Missouri head basketball. Love it. I'm rewrite. I say rewrite the hot board. Put Shaq number one. If I. I, I can make you this promise. If Missouri hires Shaquille O'Neal, I am taking a selfie standing next to him at the introductory oh, press conference because yes. I will come up to like I, his, I would, I feel like above his belly button, but certainly not to his <laughs> armpits. I'd say about, I'd say about the armpits. <laughs> you think? I don't, I don't know, man. I, he's got, <laughs> he's got like 16 inches on me. Uh, I'm trying to think who, who, I mean, you've stood next to Jordan Wilmore before. They're about the same size. Where do you come up on Jordan Wilmore? <laughs> I've never paid attention. I don't know. The biggest human I've ever been around, I think, is Patrick Ewing. But Shaq would be bigger. I'm I'm on the higher Shaq. Let's do it. Yes, it, we figured it out. It took an hour, it, but we got we it, got there. 100% has to happen. Missouri basketball coach Shaquille O'Neal. Okay, so I want to finish this up kind of semi-seriously. Um, look, we talked about the roster. There's... There's going to be some roster management to be done. Um, a lot of these guys don't really have another option, so we'll see what happens with them. But I I can guarantee you that probably even before tonight, but certainly since 5 o'clock, representatives of or people around Kobe Brown and Trevon Brazil have gotten phone calls. I can promise you it has happened. Um, I, I would imagine people are bothering Aiden Shaw. Um, I don't really know if there's anybody else on this roster who people are necessarily trying to poach, but I would assume that those three are being tampered with. Um, you know, and and look, it's college sports. I you, you, you Cry if you want. Missouri would do it too. So, um, but holding on to... At least, I mean, if Kobe goes somewhere to play in an NCAA tournament his last year, so be it. Uh, you know, I don't think you'd hold it against that kid. And and I don't think Kobe Brown is program changing because he does only have one year. But Trevon Brazil and Aiden Shaw, like, th- that needs to be priority one of at least keeping those guys around and saying, give us a chance and find out who the next coach is before you decide to do anything rash. Yeah, no, I agree. Um, and I like, I really can't forecast, I, you know, I don't, I just don't know these guys well enough because we don't interact with them enough to know really where their head's at on all this stuff. I mean, obviously Aiden Shaw during the recruiting process is going to say a lot of it was due to his relationship with Consul Martin because no one picks a school and it's like, yeah, I didn't really like the coach, but it just like made sense because it's down the road. So, um, I, I don't know. I think, but yeah, I think that those are Trevin Brazil in my mind is number one, like. That dude, he, he finished the season so well. He's You just watch him play, and you see a few plays every game where it's just like, man, he can do stuff that not a lot of human beings can do. And if he put when he puts the muscle on, I think he could be – I mean, I, I do not think it's a stretch to say he could be an all-SEC guy and maybe as soon as next season. So he's number one for me. You know, Kobe Brown is a, is a very good college player, and I, I wouldn't be stunned if he ends up staying at Mizzou just because, like, where else is he going to get to – be the leading scorer and the number one guy and play with his brother. Now, maybe he doesn't want that. Maybe he got a taste of that this year. and was like, wow, that's not nearly as fun as the year before when I was the number four guy, but we won a lot of games. So he may want to do that. Um, but yeah, I think that keeping Trevin Brazil around is a priority. Obviously it'd be nice if you could keep Aiden Shaw. Um, but you know, if, if that's the casualty of changing coaches, it's not the end of the world. Yeah. So, uh, all right. Well, we've explained everything that went wrong. We've told you 15 guys that aren't going to get the job, and we've hired Shaq. I feel like that's a good night's work, huh, Mitch? Yeah, good Friday night. I, uh, yeah, ready to ready to do it all again tomorrow. Yeah, well, sorry that you uh, didn't get to go watch the Big 12 tournament tonight, but appreciate you uh, helping out and jumping on, man. All right. We'll talk to you later. Uh, We're going to let Mitch go. Want to remind you guys of a couple of things real quick before you all jump off. And that is, uh, first of all, please hit the like button on the show. Subscribe to the channel. Share what we're doing here. Um, It's much appreciated. We're going to be really busy and have a lot of content the next few weeks. We have already a board with 18 potential candidates listed on it. Um, We have my explanation of, of what went wrong in the Conzo Martin era, why it didn't work. Mitch offered some thoughts on who he thinks should be the next coach. I offered some thoughts on who I think should be. I wrote a column on Sean Miller 
We've got all that up, and the news broke three hours and 20 minutes ago, guys. So um, this is my sole focus for the next three weeks. Mitch is still going to do some spring football. Uh, or I say three weeks because that's just kind of a general – whatever, three days, three months, however long it lasts. This is my focus. Uh, Mitch is, is still going to do some spring football. Certainly will be helping out on the coaching search. Sean Williams is, is going to be covering recruiting for you guys. We put up a, a list of – I think it was like 13 guys who are in town or supposed to be in town tomorrow. Uh, it's been a long day. I can't remember the exact number, but that is all on the site. I hope you check that out. I hope you're with us throughout this um, throughout this coaching search. As I said, we may jump on here and do a few of these impromptu shows. We certainly will have another 573 report next Wednesday. Um, we'll get back on schedule, but, um, you know, hey, life's on hold for the next uh, however long it takes Missouri to find a basketball coach. So appreciate you guys spending some time with us here on Friday night. want to remind you to go to 573tees.com, 573tees.com. Check them out. Uh, they've been great uh, sponsoring this show for a couple of years now, and we certainly encourage you guys to go there for your Mizzou apparel needs. They've also got plenty of other stuff. Also want to remind you that Wealth Trust Asset Management in Destin, Florida, is going to be our partner for all coaching search coverage. You can check them out at wealthtrustam.com. John G. McHugh, the guy down there. And if you need uh, some financial planning, retirement, whatever it might be, we hope you uh, go to wealthtrustam.com and hit up John G. McHugh at Wealth Trust Asset Management. So appreciate you guys spending your Friday night with us. Uh, I feel like I've got more work to do. Talk to you.